Good evening from Los Angeles. This is Holiday Kirk. You're listening to the New Metal Agenda. I'm here with my co-hosts, Grandfather. There we go. Uh, greetings from Hoth. Where it are you actually? negative one here, and there's like eight inches of snow on the ground. You I'm never, in Indiana. He, Indiana. He never says where he is. He's very embarrassed about that. But I think of all the podcasts, you should be allowed to admit you're from Indiana on this one. Z? I'm also from LA, which in the podcast space is boring and, un- and unexciting. Well, we're about to be three on that one. We've got a really we got a celebrity guest in the building, y'all. Special, special guest. We got Terry. Terry Beezer. Hello, mate. How you doing? And oh, if you couldn't tell already, this is a guy who hails from the United Kingdom. And I'm actually gonna Terry, I'm gonna let you run down your credentials. Listen to this, guys. Listen to this. I'm glad you've said that, mate, because a lot of people out here think I'm Australian. Uh <laughs> so most of the world know me as Bees, but uh, my print journalist days, I was Terry Beezer. I worked for Metal Hammer and um, I did bits and pieces with Kerrang and Rock Sound while I was back there. I'm mainly known for being the channel manager and host for Scuzz TV in the UK. Uh, when that was a thing, I hosted Download Festival for a couple of years. Then I started my own podcast called That's Not Metal. Uh, which is still going strong back in the United Kingdom. That brought me out here to America where I've worked for NotFest and Amazon Music. And I currently do uh, a global rock and metal phone-in show called 666 Live. And uh, I host Avenge Sevenfold's official podcast tracks. So that is, as fast as I can say, a lot of shit over the course of 20 years. So he he's been around is, is yeah. the gist of it here, and Media really this slut. is and and we couldn't I'm not cutting that out, uh, <laughs> and this and this really is a great great opportunity. We are what we're talking about today is Iowa by Slipknot, just Slipknot's sophomore record, released on Folk. Thought I had it right here. So released in 2001, before a certain date, uh, August 28, 2001. Wow, that close. Well, good on them. And why I'm excited to have Terry in the building is my American counterparts in here may or may not know, but this album did great in in the United States. It was something like a phenomenon in the UK. Went zoom straight to the penthouse, right to number one. They were a fucking live phenomenon in in LA uh, in the UK, sold out coast to coast. Their first big look was on. Ah, uh, please help me, Terry. Well, UK in terms television? Of television. Oh, TFI Friday. I was there for the recording of that. Of course. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. They recorded They recorded them and Blink 182 on the same day uh, <laughs> on Enema of the State at TFI Friday. Uh, Chris Evans, this cheeky was, chappy. This was supposed the last time I posted that clip. When I wrote for Metal Hammer, did you read my, my article for Metal Hammer? I have not. I have not. You'll have to ping it to me afterwards. I will. I wrote, I ranked the, the 10 craziest ass moments in New Metal history, and I listed their TFI Friday appearance at four because I was like, that was the moment where they became a United Kingdom sensation. Um, you, now, I want you to tell me the last time I posted it, people were telling me, like, for the Chris Evans show, you don't know what band's going to perform when you sign up to be in the audience. Uh, that was not the case. For both Slipknot and Blink, uh, I won mine through a Kerrang! competition. Um, so there was a bunch of us that were in there, and they I don't know what it was usually like for the television audience, but the reason why it was so chaotic in there was because it was filled with people that were Slipknot fans, therefore that. Like, uh, I don't know if it, if it catches it, but the cameraman gets dragged 
into the audience like the the cameraman is kind of on the verge of the lip of the stage and gets dragged off of the audience but it was the reputation that preceded them at that point in time was uh like the mystique and everything that surrounded them was fascinating and when you saw the footage of them flipping a coin to punch each other in the face before the the first show uh before the shows on that i haven't seen that footage have you guys seen that footage I have not seen that footage. Uh, Headbangers Ball in the UK. Uh, they're in sort of navy blue boiler suits. But like this was, uh, but like the, the two things that they were mainly famed for in kind of folklore at that point in time was flipping the coin to punch one another in the face. And uh, uh, Clown had the crow in a jar that was like he had a dead crow in a jar that he used to like make people huff. That um, I remember. Very so fucking odd. The the Chris Evans appearance was that before or after their Astoria debut? I think that was after. Because I was going to certain it was after. Yeah, because they because they did two. They did the one off at the Astoria, but then they came back and did a UK tour where they headlined Brixton Academy with Kitty and One Minute Silence. And if you and if you think about it on that timeline, the hype build was in, insane because. They would have been doing the Ozfest in America tour for 99, hit the UK in 2000, Iowa drops 2001, and their debut peaked at 37, and then their sophomore record, Iowa, goes right to number one. And uh, what 99 and 2000, not to cut you off, uh, that were part of a headlining tour. It was their first headlining tour called the World Domination Tour, right after Ozfest 98. Because um, I, I was at one of the 2000 dates. That was my first ever concert with Slipknot and Amen. Fuck yeah, I love that, Amen. I was just about to say, I was like, I was like, there is, I've said this before, there was no other band Kerrang tried to make happen more than Amen. <laughs> Kerrang. Ra- Ra- Raging Speedhorn as well. <laughs> oh, did they? Were they? I, I forgot about, I forgot about Raging Speedhorn. Terrorizer tried pretty hard too. I remember they were on the cover more than once. Raging fucking Speedhorn. <laughs> They're okay. They're okay. There's some lunkheads. But between, go ahead. Between so between ninety nine and two thousand and two, this is another phenomenon that appears more in the UK charts, way more in the UK charts than it does in the American charts. Where new metal bands had pop hits in the UK, like Wait and Bleed charted at fucking nothing in the states and went to number thirty or went to twenty seven in the United Kingdom. And that's something that always fascinates me is that when you look at every single new metal band, they all charted better in the UK than they did America. I think that's a universal for all the big names. Not just the UK, pretty much every country but America. New metal was way fucking bigger. But 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 the fascinating thing to me has always been about how the pop charts take yeah. in the United Kingdom took to new metal in a way that America oh, never you know. did. Yeah, I see what you mean. Limp Bizkit has a has a number one in the United Kingdom. They have a number one here. Yeah, not on the, not the one you're thinking of. Kirk, do you want to know a wild fact? So in the UK, they were the first band since the fucking Beatles to have a number one single and a number one album at the same time. Limp Biscuit was Limp Biscuit with roll with, <laughs> oh, roll, with with rolling and chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. Like that is the ultimate. I shit on your party, isn't it? I like, can't like, wait to all, all of all of the chin strokey musos who act like you don't like music if you don't like the Beatles. And well, the and band is... to vanish to vanquish that is Limp Biscuit. 
this These is ugly Americans just come in and piss all over that legacy. <laughs> I, love I love it. This is something else, though, that I'm always trying to say is that like we're like the UK hype mags liked new metal. I don't know if they did as much by that point, but I'm always telling people that like on the in the NME, Iowa did better than the strokes that year, you know, so. And that's something that's something that the fucking NME definitely won't acknowledge ever again. Like of all the mags, that will never be like, we like Slipknot more than the Strokes. The enemy will never say that again. But yeah, they ranked it higher than Is This It for 2001. So there was a really concerted effort in the United Kingdom to make new metal into not just a popular music, but a legitimate form of it too. And I don't know exactly when that fell off. Did that fall off sort of around the same time it did here or... Yeah, it, it was and so in the UK, like the press in general, like to build things up and then tear it down. Uh, and I think that they were on board with new metal when it, when it was gnarly. But when um, uh, the album that I always associate with being the turning point is when Infest by Papa Roach came out, which is a classic <laughs> retrospectively. But when that happened and like the, the first video turned up and Last Resort was polished and shiny and was like made like a big budget video, um, the press in the UK kind of went no and went looking for well i mean even kerrang went for a lot of like the the bands the strokes the hives uh and a lot of that sort of stuff kind of came in but also there was um hardcore was where the press went around that time when relationship of command by at the driving happened they kind of left new metal after after Slipknot and Corn and Snot and Biscuit and Incubus and Deftones and all that kind of thing, where bands are kind of more respected um, than perhaps the next wave. Uh, yeah, they, they the press kind of turned on new metal and went for that kind of thing, Blood Brothers and all that kind of shenanigans. I've got a good question for you. Were Papa Roach the first new metal band to perform on top of the Pops? Oh, I wouldn't know that actually. They might well be. I mean, uh, Limp Bizkit did, did take a look around on top of the pops, and that would have been two thousand, so like the same year. You're you're blaming Last Resort though for kind of. Tipping. <laughs> I I am doing no such thing. You will not put words in my mouth. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I just I, it, it's I, it's when that kind of thing happened, and like them, and then Pod. Uh, or when satellite happened, when everything felt like as mainstream as mainstream could get, like the there was not a lot of difference between. I mean, Wayne Isham was making NSYNC videos and like metal band videos at the same time at this point in time. So I think that when um, it became more of a of a mainstream commodity, the UK press got snobby. But what didn't happen was that the, the fans didn't leave it. I mean, Crazy Town had a number one single in the United Kingdom, everybody. The United no, States as well. Was it no, no, top three in the UK. Ah, top three. Ah, there you go. Right, well, there you go. Even still, like, consider the fact... Shifty Shell Shock in the top three of the United Kingdom singles chart. It was a wild Mate, time. It was number one here. And that's yeah, the is... only new metal number one single. In fact, I think that's no, that was that would have been really stupid. I didn't say that. I almost said it was the only new metal number uh, top 10, which would have been fucking way off. But it was the only new metal new metal, I guess, number one, with, which is a damn shame with Linkin Parks in the end getting blocked by who got it, who got it, who can tell me, who can tell me. No, Jennifer I Lopez did. and Ja Rule. 
banger, though, to be fair. No, it's oh, sorry, that is the song, though. That is the song, yeah, and I always, I can strange. never, I can Didn't never remember. Jennifer the song. Lopez get herself in a little bit of trouble for that one, just a tiny bit. Yeah, I think so. She may have said something she was really not supposed to say. I don't know. And you're never, we're never going to, oh yeah, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. And, and there's yes. all four of us are not qualified to explain exactly. So we're going to leave that one to I'm the I'm too young to even know what the fuck you're talking about. So, But anyway, what is your personal experience with Slipknot? Because you were very around at this time. Yeah. Um, so I, I was, I, I was uh, 16 when the first record, when the, the self-titled album came out, but um, Roadrunner, in the UK in particular had such a reputation that anything coming out on it was automatically a priority for a teenage metalhead. When you looked at when I came into getting into metal in 96, that it was fear factory typo negative and sepultura machine head. It was just like a fucking, like if it was going on, it felt like it was going on at Roadrunner. And uh, Ian Camfield, who now DJs out here, actually, in Arizona, uh, used to have the rock show on XFM in London and played Spit It Out as a demo. And I remember recording it off the radio and being blown away by it. But the UK press referred to them before the record dropped as Metal's answer to the Wu-Tang Clan. Which again, which was like, I do not understand that. Um, I never thought of it, but I can kind of see it as far as like having a really developed sort of visual language and stylistic sort of way. I think it's just because there's nine of them. What? That too. There's nine of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the record, the record scratches have that kind of real organic feel to it as well, I guess, maybe. But like as a concept, it was a bit like, huh? But then when the record came, it was undeniable. Great. And now I'm going to do, we are going to start this now. Uh, This is going to be a new thing to spot for fans of the show and for us. And it's going to be called Holiday Kirk's Six Degrees of Separation between whatever we're talking about and American Head Charge. And thankfully, (laughs) I don't have to go too far. This is really this is going to be really (laughs) easy. And I also know that Terry likes American Head Charge already because they were much, much bigger in the UK than they were in America. Pledge of Allegiance Tour, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. so that embarks. God, was when was that supposed to kick off? Because we all know it got delayed and we could all assume we know why it got delayed. But that was American Head Charge, uh, No One, Slipknot, and System of a Down. System of a Down. In that it was order. supposed to be Mudvayne, but Rammstein replaced them, at least in the States. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. So Mudvayne jumped on the Aussie tour. Terry, just please regale us just a little bit of your of the American Head Charge story, and then we will we will pivot. We'll have you back for that episode for sure. But yeah, I I, I love the War of Art. It's my it's my favorite album. It's phenomenal, and it still sounds great now. And it's got a direct line to Slipknot in terms of sonics and sound. In that, I, I think that when people look at Slipknot as a massive metal band, and they might put them in the the caliber of that that kind of the Metallicas and the Iron Maidens and that kind of thing. I think I always felt they feel better with Faith No More. And those kind of more freaky side of things. And well, what I loads always, of that in American Head Charge, isn't there? I always say that American Head Charge is just faith no more in ministry, like kind of putting new metal together again and then running it through the slipknot filter. Um, but yeah, that's my favorite album ever. And 
if any of you guys are, if any of the American Hedgehog guys are listening, you need to hit me the fuck up because that's that's I think we all have those bands where it's like you own the demos, you have like the underground B sides and physical media that nobody else could ever find. So and that's them for me. But we will leave that as a teaser for later, obviously. Um, now, I just want to say that we've waited a long time to actually get to this point. And it would be really funny if we were all just like fucking garbage. Let me just assume we all think that Iowa is a good album. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's aces. I, I love that album. It is. I think it's fucking incredible. And I really have fallen off with the A-list new metal bands. I don't listen to the A-list or new metal bands too much anymore. But this, for so, I still put this one on and I'm just like, wow. Yeah. This is really good. This Man. is one of the most important albums ever to me. This like, is. I'm gonna oh, go. Really? Let's all make big. Yeah. Let's let's all make big statements. This is the finest. Uh feature album length per- drum performance ever recorded on a metal album Whoa. you know what i i might agree with you might not saying i do because i'm drawing a blank on a lot of like the thrash and death bands i listen to but i think terry's gonna nod his head until it falls off terry what i've always said and i think you're gonna agree with is that this band worked best when joey jordison was the spiritual lead singer when he was allowed to power the songs forward like basically like lead the band and everyone just rode behind him in his slipstream. I think that is when is what made Slipknot fantastic. And then in volume three, they kind of were like all in like a row with with kind of kind of like with Corey, though, being like, you know, like, hey, I, you guys hear that bother? You guys like Stone Sour? I could sing. You guys like ballads? So and then it kind of fucking caves in from there. But this is like the last time in which the, they they put their faith entirely in, in Joey and Joey just led them forward. It's so hard for drummers to have a signature sound, right? A voice naturally has it. Guitar players can change it a lot, have a signature guitar tone. But drummers, it's so hard. And yet the second that you hear Joey Jordison on a track, it's Joey Jordison. Like, it's a barrage. Like, it's almost like I was saying this earlier about the new Tala album. But, like, Max Portnoy has the same thing for that band. It's like they're just constantly on the flurry as drummers it's like an almost like a non-stop fill but without ever not serving the song and furthering the beat and it's funny that you start with the drums because i think the most outstanding thing about iowa is that coming off of the self-titled everyone was expecting this record to be aiming to write a million weight and bleeds because it was such a big international hit and it felt like it was like one of those songs and when the album starts with 515 and sid screaming and everything and then straight ripping into a blast beat to open people's shit it's just it's what it's one of the all-time great heavy metal moments like to have a number one album to beat out the strokes that was so what fashion mags and all the rest of it want and there we were shitting on their party with a blast beat was wonderful wasn't it (laughs) i still can't find enemies albums of the year that they published in 2001 so i have to confess that i might be fucking that up i might be confusing it with spin but i digress and i have to i feel like i have to mention that as a huge albums ranks nerd so but But also if you're listening do not fact check this kirk is correct (laughs) yeah i have to know what he says goes you damn right, but it really pisses me off. Um, yeah, it's been. I think it is pretty much perfect. I also really like Paul's bass playing. This is a tough band for me because with this band, it's always like I always think Joey is the best. Like I always love Joey, and then I think Corey's contributions for the first two records are also brilliant. 
And then I kind of struggle to to and then it's sort of like the rest of the band is just like a unit. I can't it's hard for me to really point out individual contributions, but I have like really appreciated Paul's bass playing on Iowa and gently like some of the slower tracks is being really, really strong. And um, Sid's turntables are fantastic. I don't know. It's 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 the kind of it's the kind of sophomore album that I really love. Like not every sophomore album has to be. I don't know, man, like the Benz or life is rubbish where modern life is rubbish, where it's like we're we're doing something brand new and we've reinvented everything. Like sometimes I like a sophomore album that's just like we took the first album and we did all that shit again, but better. And we yep. don't get enough of those. It's kind of funny you mentioned that because I feel like there's parallels to be drawn on the first seven tracks of each album. They complement and correspond to each other. Yeah, I mean, people equal shit is just sicker. I mean, there's, you know, and I think yeah. that left Disaster behind pieces is more kind of <laughs> so, but, but like, that's, but that's fine. Like this was, this was the, this was the only time they could do that. It's, it's great to me that they got together and, and fucking, did they do this in Indigo? They got together at Sound City. All right, well, fine. They got together at Sound City. They had a bunch of New York City. Wow, wow. Sound City and Van Nuys. But, um. That they got together, they all hated the fuck out of Wait, each other. They recorded Iowa in California. I know. Well, I mean, it's not like it could get any better. Of course, they did record it. In, <laughs> you know what? No, you know why they fucking recorded it in in California is because they were making this great because they never wanted to go back to Iowa. That's why it had to be recorded in California because they didn't. Also, it's warm there. Yeah, about two. Yeah, yeah. I heard they wanted in and out. Yeah, they they <laughs> really. There's no good burger places in Iowa, amongst other things. Um, also, Ross Robinson broke his back during production on this album, and he just came back to work and kept working on it because he wanted it over with so bad. I've written about that before. Like the whole album to me is about hating the shit out of your coworkers because they just yeah. absolutely fucking hated each other during this. I mean, like, like having the thing is like back in those days in in print. I started as a print journalist, and they would send you out on tour with a band and you would literally be on their tour bus for a couple of days until you went home and then you wrote about it like fucking almost famous style um but when you were there for me personally i was like after two days i was like get me the fuck out of here like you're on a traveling tin can with the same humans day in day out and ultimately when you play in a band the thing that you have in common is the music right it doesn't necessarily mean that you're all going to gel as people and when there's fucking nine of you like that is a lot of intensity and they were on a mission like they meant it i think in a kind of post-ironic world like a, a gifable planet that we're in now i think it's hard to quite muster the feeling that existed between fan and band at that time between band and maggot at that time but they traveled the world and they fucking meant it and every night was playing on 10 and you never got anything less than, I mean, those shows are legendary for a reason, the intensity. I can't imagine what it must have been like being one of the kids out here, like at night in when they were on Ozfest and the doors open and running towards the stage to catch it and then being greeted by them, just like, we are here to murder everyone. 
Um, but you did see them, didn't you see them? Yes, yeah, 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 on the first record. But I mean, that it was such a legendary, like a legendary thing. Those Ozfest things, like the, having interviewed the band like countless times, like that's a period that they're so warm for, and it feels like a real moment in the time that I've been listening to rock and metal. A real moment in like American metal history was Slipknot doing doing that at that point in time. Like when you said about them going from number thirty seven to number one in the uk they also went from doing a one-off show at the london astoria to like 1200 people to by the time iowa came out they were second from the top on the main stage at ozfest that was how big their popularity had rose just on that one record but when you're on top of each other like that the intensity it's it's i mean they're and on be, and, and for the, they're for on the, record they were mad for the, for the kids out there you have no smartphone. You have no laptops. There was you were in that van watching VHS tapes and yeah. looking at each other yeah. all day. Yeah, that's was, it. There was nothing else to do. You and... tried diplomatically picking a movie amongst nine people on a tour bus. No, I don't want to watch Death Becomes Her. <laughs> Put the fucking crow away. Put the crow away. <laughs> Shut up, Mick. Cran, you saw them. I did. My very first concert was October 2000. Slipknot, Amen, and Spineshank. Damn. This Spine was Shank. right. Hell yeah. yeah they didn't, yeah. didn't you, didn't you, Fox, try to make Spineshank happen too? Yeah, but Strictly Diesel and The Height of Callousness are both fucking brilliant in my defense. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, I, I don't remember saying they weren't. I don't remember yeah, saying that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Really... Yeah, we, we did love, we did love Spineshank. Yeah. They didn't really take over there though, didn't, didn't they? No, and they got good tour supports as well. They supported System of Down on their debut record. Like they were like pushed with, with the press. And there was, a, again, a Roadrunner band. So they had these the, same advantages that Slipknot had, but they you should know, have put, strictly diesel, they, not Slipknot. They should have put While My Guitar Gently Weeps Out as a single. You're Agreed. sick. Mm. You are all sick. What is I wrong with you? I don't think that would have worked like it did for Limp Bizkit. Like, no, it's a great cover. That's a great cover. It would have worked the way Shock the Monkey yes, on the Cold Chamber. No. Harry, you know that's, you, do you know that's, that cover is on my top 100 greatest new metal songs ever list? What? Kirk, great Kirk, cover. You, Kirk, you need medical attention, man. I love Strictly here. Diesel, but what the fuck, Kirk? <laughs> Re- read about it. I wrote about it. Read. Just go read. Go off. Go off over there. Read. And, and anyway... Um, I'm with Kirk on this one. I like that song a lot. <laughs> Thank you. you Jesus. Midwesterners are sick people. We're just going <laughs> to, you know what? We are going to take divergences as I think of more United Kingdom bands that <laughs> was about. So now I get to just, uh, every once in a while, I'm just going to be sitting here like, Vex Red. Vex Red? <laughs> yeah, Ross Robinson, represent. <laughs> what a flop. Yeah, it did not work. But again, like, there were a lot of eyes and attention on him. Bad. I, I, I listen. If the members of X Red are, re- are are listening in, I'm really sorry about this. Not a good album. And it came out at a weird time. It came out as new oh, metal was shifting, was shifting into like stained and puddle of mud and all of that, and so it kind of got a bit murky. No, and it wasn't post hardcore enough though to to like jump over that way. So no, no I was just an uh, no. Someone who likes at the driving is not liking Vex Red. Or red, maybe they do. It's, it's the internet. Loads of people go. Well, actually, I like both of them. But to get back on track, Earth Tone Nine. Oh yes, mate, Art Tangent. You love to see it. There's no getting <laughs> back on track. Sorry, this is the rest no. of this. No, that's one I see. One of the best new metal songs going. This is the only motherfucker I have ever met and may ever meet 
uh, that knows who number one son is. So this this is this is gonna be like half the episode. And you don't like them. The best, ba- yeah, but they're better than the Beatles in the bands from Liverpool. Uh, no, I would have number one son over the Beatles. See, if, man, if of number culture. one son, yeah, if number one son and the Beatles were playing at the same night, I'd be going to see number one son. What if number one son covered while my guitar gently weaves? <laughs> uh, I, I would. It... Oh God, the the planet. That's like in, that's like new metal Inception. <laughs> Let me tell you, I would like to give. I would like to give Slipknot their due. I saw them last year. Uh, Z, same when was the last time me. you saw them? You saw them last year. Were we at the I same saw, fucking show? We were at the same show, but this is before we met. Okay, I thought they were still pretty great. Like when you adjust, you know, when you adjust expectations for a mm. bunch of guys that are in their forties and fifties, I think they still sound pretty good. So I didn't because I had seen them before that twice, and both times were better. And the first time I saw them pertains to the album we're talking to you because they played that thing in its entirety. I think it's still super impressive that Corey can pull these vocals off. I mean, at least on record quality. He's not like, you know, he's not like taking the easy way out and not screaming and stuff. Like he still goes for it and he still does pretty good job. When was the last time everyone here saw them? 2001. Saw, uh... <laughs> you were you were like, I'm going out on top. I Put saw them at OzFest 01 and I saw them on the Pledge of Allegiance tour and legit after Pledge of Allegiance, after seeing Joey live with that. Terry, did you see them on that tour? Uh, I don't know if Pledge of Allegiance came to the UK. I don't remember it. Well, we'll just pretend like it did. His, his drum <laughs> yeah. kit, it, it, it was on a platform and it came up above the rest of the band members and it started going just horizontally at first while he did a solo. Then it went completely vertical. And started fucking spinning that way when he was playing. And that blew my goddamn mind. Like, I was clapping for, like, 11 minutes straight. Yeah, I did and see that, too, because they, re- they recorded oh, disaster well, they recorded disaster pieces at the London Docklands Arena. Yes. So, the same tour. Oh, but yeah, I, like So, yes, I I'm did really see glad it. You mentioned that. Sorry, yeah, there you go. That, was, that performance was seriously so emotionally draining for me that I was like, I never have to see this band again. Like I, I don't ever want to have to go through the the gauntlet of what I went through to see them at Pledge of Allegiance. Like it was, I was that spent at the end of that show. Like I didn't go to another concert for like a year after that. It was intense. Yeah, there was just a European tour. It doesn't look like it was a part of the Pledge of Allegiance tour, though. I do know that the Pledge well of over there, I think tour... it was called like the Full English Brecky Tour or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that joke, so I resent it. And fuck you. <laughs> it's, a, it's a UK joke. I, Terry yeah. got it. That's the important. Yeah, yeah. It was called the Great British Mosh Off. I remember. <laughs> the, the lorry driver nicked my mobile. Twenty oh two. Um. Yeah. yeah I, I. I. So I, I've seen them. I've been lucky enough to see them. Like on pretty much every record. The the best that I ever saw them was when they headlined Download for the first time in two thousand nine. Was the best outdoor show I've ever seen. Um. But I do think that. The different the difference is that while they are still fucking phenomenal as a live act, especially if you catch them on the riot night and they play their songs really fucking fast as well. So they've still got intensity. I think when every member of Slipknot lived and breathed it, and that isn't to suggest that their efforts are any less on stage now, but there was like when it was your reason for getting up in the morning was to be in Slipknot, the level of intensity that they had was above and beyond any band I've ever seen. No band, got no band wanted to burn the place down ever like then. And you know what? What ruined 
uh, okay, it didn't ruin them. But what I'm saying is that what I've always struggled with is what made what what the reason why Slipknot can never get back there is because they're like a they're an industry now. You know, they're a merch line like they have to sell all these T-shirts and hoodies and spatulas. And they recently came out with a line of Frisbees, Frisbee, fucking Frisbees, whiskey, NFTs, kind of like Metallica or Kiss a little bit. Oh, totally. No, this like totally like not as big, not maybe, as extreme but... as Kiss or Metallica, like releasing fucking video games and all that crap like they did. But still, yeah, they're getting there. Slipknot video game mm. would have been pretty cool. I no, mean, it, it would be cool. I would play a Slipknot video game. It would have been a fighting game. All nine of them against well, each other. I think did I, it. Time back to Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang did that. I, I think what you're saying is that like Slipknot Frisbees is a long way away from skin ticket on this record or like, yeah. the, four, or like the 14 minute title track on this album where, you know, it, it felt like fucking art, right? Like this, this felt like Fincher movies and that kind of thing more than like you say if it, like um the comparisons that you're making yeah we will it agree to disagree like a... on that one disagree on there, that one there, there's about seven minutes you can take off of the title track oh okay all right oh hold up no and i think it's you, perfect you can it remove minutes five through minutes nine and you would not miss the thing and you could cut it off at minute 11 you need I got, my main cut... beef with it like i i've Listen to that song maybe a half a dozen times in its entirety since that album came out. I've I've I waited in night for that album. I've, I've had it for a long fucking time. They should have had more weird shit going on. It's too subtle for me. Like Slipknot's a band that goes balls out all the time. You're talking about like Ad- the kind of post rock sort of mogwai moment there at the end of it. I think yeah, that's why it works so well. Kind of hear though. the laughing and him, you know, just muttering things to himself. Oh, you know what? It's I out do, of left field. I it's do, uncanny. I it's do creepy. Think, I do think him saying, like, what does he say? He's like, I could smell your fear. I think that's really stupid. He says something like that, right? He's like yeah, saying yeah. that over and over. It's like, it's like, it's like, all right. It's like, all right, guys. Come, all right. Come on. We get it. Because that I was, I listened to thing. it on my drive home, but I can't remember what he was saying because I mentally blocked it out. That was another thing that was starting to fuck with uh, the popular perception of new metal in the UK was that I remember during the Kerrang Awards, I like that I talked like I was there. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember, you know, I was at the Kerrang Awards. Uh, I talked I remember, to Corey about this after the show. I remember during like the, the 2000, what? You said like, like Pip in South Park. If I just close my eyes, I can pretend I'm there. <laughs> it was just yesterday. We had them seated at a table together. But um, I remember they they won a bunch of awards, I think in like the 01 or 02 Kerrang Awards. And they like flipped their table over and they went to accept it. And they were like, this is fucking meaningless. Blah. I think that was because obviously it was all journos there. And I think everyone was kind of like, yeah. I think I think they the thing is like that they were making a cut. I think what part of the thing that ties all of this together, especially into the like the artier moments of Iowa, is new metal was just starting to go cartoony. Like we were just we were just entering the like um dry, like I love disturbed, right? But that man's making a monkey noise as like he's uh, as he's as he's like break out here. Right. And I think that when you're Sean Crayon and these sorts of things are going on and last like that, like the more commercially minded moments of new metal 
Slipknot were so determined to go the other way and pay homage to, like you say, Mogwai is a great shout, but like um, in the kind of more metallic side of that, what Neurosis was starting to do and that kind of that darker kind of shit. I Almost felt like, like doom metal a little bit. Yeah, it felt like they were making a point. Like we yeah. are not that. And then on volume three, they get a little crass commercially. And if you catch me on the right day, I'll say duality is the greatest new metal song of all time. But that is, as Z pointed out to me, I'd never noticed this until Z pointed out to me. There's no swears on that album. And nope. I think they did that as sort of a fuck you to some of their critics that were like, you need to swear. But I bet it didn't help their bottom. I bet it didn't hurt their bottom line, I'm sure. So I also, mean, it, it also helps when you've got before I forget in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah also incredible um but also it has million a million part two is a pretty sick cut from that album dude i don't like any other ballads i i, I feel like i have to confess that's the only that... one i like because i can't stand wait and bleed i love the nameless wait did you just say you can't stand wait and bleed cannot stand wait and bleed it kills <laughs> none of your opinions surprise me anymore <laughs> like i completely just gave up on being shocked after you said you didn't like toxicity <laughs> You're fired. I have reasons behind that. We'll take that <laughs> offline. We don't have to talk about toxicity on the Slipknot show. No, we will that get to toxicity. Still coming, audience. Clearly, so toxicity is going to need its own episode. But what? Right. Why don't you don't like wait and bleed? It just it, after the devastating one-two salvo of sick and then Eyeless, it just it kills the momentum, which well, they get right not. back with surfacing. But it just it's a boring song. I don't like the way his voice sounds on it. It sounds like a contrived hit on an album that was nothing but nonstop bangers. Get his ass, Terry. Get his ass. But that that last riff, grandfather. That it's less like it could bring a would have been a killer opener on a better song. You're right. It feels like it could bring a building down, man. Like that, I I hear you. I know what you mean. Like the chorus is like the the pop moment, but it's just it's so unconventional when you listen. They did they did the remix with all the clean vocals. Well, the remix is awful. We didn't we didn't. You know what's really you know what's really bad is the clean mix of My Plague. Yeah, they're far oh, more egregious awful. on Iowa, those oh, things. Bull. Really, yeah. really bad. Because yeah. um, Iowa veers more into death metal territory. So for that. Yeah. With so with Left Behind arching all the way up to 24 in the UK, do you remember hearing it like on Radio One? You... It's funny. I, I remember seeing it. I remember seeing the video first. Like this was not like fucking like say this was not internet that was days. that was girls aloud with sound of the underground <laughs> and here's my yeah. left behind yeah it was it was on there was a channel called the box in the uk that you would pay and yep, like did you have that as well right yes. yeah we Right, we yeah we had that in the in the UK as well, and I remember seeing the Left Behind video and being blown away at a band able to make something that felt like a horror movie. When the rain comes in and they're outside in the woods, I always think to myself, you know, when bands in the pandemic were doing streams and like Behemoth did that stream that was a bit more cinematic. I would love to see Slim in the church with too. the flaming arrows and everything. Yeah. That was it was sick, but imagine Slipknot doing uh like a live special like that with the fucking rain in the forest and that whole look and feel. I think it's one of my favorite Slipknot videos left behind. Oh, Dave Myers did that. It's so gnarly though, isn't it? You guys know who Dave Myers is? Yeah, he directed that Slipknot video, right? He, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> Dave Myers, the left behind guy. That was a that was a really busy year for him. Dave Myers 
was like, yeah, I'm going to do all for you for Janet Jackson. So fresh, so clean for Outkast. Got to do a Cisco cut. Can't oh, yeah, forget he was a- Macy Gray. Got to do Mary J. Was- Blige. Oh, we got Slipknot on this list here. <laughs> got to go fly out to Iowa to do this Slipknot video real quick. He was Austin Powers, wasn't he? Was he? No. No. Uh, that was Michael guy. Myers. Different guy. You'd think you would know this <laughs> legally. <laughs> it's Michael Myers, isn't it? No, that's Halloween. This guy. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah, Michael Myers is the guy that tried <laughs> killing Jimmy Lee Curtis. You're thinking of Mike Myers. That's oh, yeah. Austin that's Powers H2O. That's the one. I like how I have a completely... <laughs> I like how my I like Austin how, Powers season of the witch. <laughs> I like and how my second season of the witch reference on the show, by the way, they're, <laughs> both, they're all getting cut. I like how my <laughs> contemporary Slipknot experience was just being really scared of this band and not being allowed to listen to it. So I'm going to read this to you. So there's this magazine that I don't think any of you have heard of. It's called Focus on the Families plugged in and we got this magazine I, i'm aware of that you're aware, aware of this of one on the it's family. a it's a christian media watchdog yep. magazine for parents i was not supposed to be reading it but it was my rolling stone this was my spin this was my kerrang i had this and my my whole culture outside of like the christian conservative christian sphere came from these magazines telling me what not to listen to so here's here's the objectionable content on the title track, the singer murders his girlfriend in a demented act of affection. The band screams countless obscenities in violent, hate-filled tirades such as My Plague, Metabolic, I Am Hated, and Disaster Peace, which alludes to an act of sexualized homicide too heinous to describe here. Left Behind <laughs> contains I'll describe blasphemy. It. Last, la- left Behind contains blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Disease stuff, nasty threats are joined by a pervasive self-loathing. Gently suggests escaping to a drug-enforced euphoria. The dark, morbid new abortion paints a bleak picture that invites an entire exploited generation to join in the pity party. And this is the part that really had Christians running for the hills. Why so much despair and a hair-triggered desire to lash out in gruesome ways? Clues can be found on people equals shit. I got changed and I'm sitting on the side of Satan. The heretic <laughs> anthem, if you're 555, I'm 666 and I am hated. We will not repent. This is our religion, clearly motivated by an unholy alliance. So to, <laughs> us, to, to us, they were doing packs with the devil. And this was also like magazines that would be repeating like some of those rumors where they were like stabbing each other on stage and vomiting on each other, which actually they were probably doing both those things. They were vomiting on each other. But this was yeah. like to me, this is like it was a band that was like, if you listen to this band, no questions asked. It's in Deuteronomy. You go to hell. They already <laughs> knew. They wrote about it right here in the book. So this was, yeah, this was not a band that I was allowed to listen to. And then when I did actually listen to them, it's because I took an audio program and I cut the swears out of their songs. And then I listened to them after that. So you did that yourself. I fucking personally took Slipknot songs and edited out the swear words so that I would feel okay about listening to them. You could have just waited till volume three. I, I, Man, I, I mean, I definitely but I really wanted to listen to some of their other songs. You have to you have to, you know, come on, give me a break here. But this disaster piece must have lasted about 23 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I, wonder how, I don't know. I never heard that one. It was very specific. songs. I want to beat your beat. I beat the <laughs> it would just be skips. Like, I don't think I was paying attention to like the tempo or the meter or anything. I would by cutting out every swear. I changed all of their songs into like tool songs. All the time signatures <laughs> became like 12 over eight, eight over 12, four over three and three over four. Just like skipping through every word. But um, that was my contemporary experience was I'm not allowed to listen to this. I'm not listening to this. I have my hybrid theory and I'm allowed to have that. 
So not listening to Slipknot. I've got this. Goodbye. Meanwhile, my dad was listening to fucking Bathory and Venom and Typo Negative. <laughs> Your dad was like, what's this pussy shit? What is this Slipknot <laughs> shit? He actually, yeah, that is pretty much him. He's like, oh, this fuck, like he likes corn weirdly enough, but he like does not think that new metal is like brutal enough or some shit for him. He's a through and through like hardcore, like thrash and doom metal guy. Mm, I meant to say this when we were talking about silly ass new metal moments. Um, I I know it wasn't one after the other, but I'm pretty sure in the same year, uh, two number one singles in the UK were Roland Air Raid Vehicle by Limp Bizkit and Can We Fix It by Bob the Builder. Yes, we can. That's not a good look, yeah. is it? That's. Hard. It's quite reflective, quite reflective of the times, I'll be honest. Like, both of those things are as cartoony as each other. Do you... <laughs> all right, uh, here we go. Pop quiz. What was the number one single in the UK during 9-11? Oh, God. I would have no idea. It was, hey, it was, or like that. It was hey Baby by DJ Ozzy. Ah, That's right. That's what you guys were listening to around that era. That's uh, a very different vibe. <laughs> very different vibe. I mean, well, we yeah. had I'm real, so we weren't exactly we weren't we weren't ready to meet the moment either. But um, as for Slipknot, does anyone else have anything they can say about Iowa? Yeah. So this album changed my fucking life. Finally. So uh, when I was growing up, I liked Slipknot, but my only exposure to them because I didn't really have Internet access was uh, the th- fourth album and the third album. So it was or. Yeah, volume three and all hope is gone. And I really, really liked them as a kid and as a young teen. And then when I like got more into like crust punk and grindcore when I was older, I kind of wrote off new metal altogether, except for System of a Down, weirdly enough. And then uh, when I was 17, my dad took me and my brother to Knotfest so we could see Slayer, Anthrax, Amana Marth and all the other bands that were headlining. And the plan was to dip out during Slipknot because none of us gave a shit. And that night, in 2016 happened to be the night they were playing Iowa in its entirety. My only exposure once again was the radio shit. I knew like psychosocial before I forget all that. And I still like that stuff, but it was, it's not like Iowa. So when they came on, like I was actually kind of making fun of them to my brother being like, Oh man, these fucking like, I don't know. I probably call them pussies or something like that. I was like making like radio rock. And then instantly when five, one five started playing over the speakers, I got chills. I'm like, all right, this is actually pretty interesting. I'll give this a chance. And the second that the riff started and people equal shit, I was mouth agape. I was blown the fuck away. And as they like blew through the first like four songs before we had to leave, I felt something I'd never felt listening to music or seeing a live band before. I was like, holy shit. I could not believe how infectious the grooves were. I could not believe how, no pun intended, I couldn't believe like just how brutal it was compared to what I knew. It's not like the most brutal album ever, but it was not what I was expecting. It really fucking just knocked me down on my ass. I could not believe how crazy it was, especially coming at right off of the disappointing Slayer set. If anyone's familiar with what happened, not fest 2016, the venue fucked up the audio real bad. And every band before Slipknot pretty much uh, had the worst night of their lives. Like Anthrax only played three songs. Amon and Marth could only play for like 30 minutes, even though they had the Viking ships and all that. Motionless and White got booed off the stage because their bass and drums were all you could hear. It was just a crazy bad day. And then just to cap it off with Slipknot bringing out Iowa, I, God, my 17-year-old brain just couldn't fucking process it. I listened to this album over and over and over for like weeks after that night. And they just quickly became one of my favorite bands again for the first time in like probably four, maybe five years at that point in time. 
Yeah, it's a real testament to the power of the record that in 2016, when it's like almost a classic rock album, it could still be powerful enough to to hit that hard. And it hit yeah. me that hard. And all I would listen to at the time was bands like uh, Anti-Simex or Insect Warfare. I was listening to like brutal, like blast beat ridden shit like that. And it still hooked me in. And I was a snob well, about all that stuff. I mean, hey. that's like the bridge it crosses. Like, I've, I guess I haven't heard the most brutal of the brutal. But from what I, I've never, I don't, I haven't heard that much heavier than Iowa. Iowa like gets it pretty we'll damn close. Yeah, we'll get you uh, yeah, Iowa's Iowa's a massive, massively important record. I think there's an argument that Iowa is the most important record of Slipknot's career when it comes yeah. to their impact on things. Because when you look at the modern era where Behemoth can go into arenas as support acts and things like that, like Iowa did so much for opening the door for heavier music. Like a band like Slayer got so much bigger after Slipknot kicked the door down and showed what was possible for a heavy band to do and not having to do it on like MTV and the radio's terms. Right. They threw a middle finger at that. They could have done the whole bunch of weight and bleeds and I'll, I'll that, you, I, I go for it. We're all everyone's trying to chime the fuck in. I'll do you one better. I think Slipknot yeah. showed you how you can make the MTVs and the enemies come to you rather than go to them. So instead of making the music you think they'll like, you make your music, but you make it marketable. Because that was the thing about Slipknot and new metal in general that made it a, a, a really effective music was those bands wanted to sell. Like they weren't they weren't just kind of like, yeah, you know, we we do us. And if people like it, whatever. It was like, no, the fucking middle eight is here. The chorus is here. There's a verse here. And that verse goes to this chorus. And we're going to shoot a big video for it. And we're going to go on radio runs. And we're going to shake hands. Like, And I think that's great. I think that holds up. And I think it's what makes the songs hit all these years later. It's not like it's not like grunge where you had bands being like, fuck, we wrote a pop song. Oh, oh, no. He's the hit. Oh, we will never play this again. We will never play this again. So but I, I hate I think, that attitude. I think Slipknot have uh, have kind of got something like. While I take your point on that, when Iowa is dropping Skin Ticket and Gently and the title track on this record, I do think that they were making a point for more artistic heavy music. Like, I, yeah. I think that it's it, and like th there is a reason why when you say like, yeah, I was listening to fucking insect warfare. But when I listened to Iowa, like it translated, it's because it like you said, Kirk, it's it's an easy line to draw between those two things. And when like where I'm from in the UK, where I look at something like Bloodstock, that was like a tiny festival for extreme metal and what it is now, which is an institution in the festival touring lineup but it got there via like heavier bands iowa and slipknot blazing a trail like it blows my mind at the moment if i can get on my soapbox for a second like when lorna shaw are doing the numbers that they're doing and rock radio won't touch it it blows my mind because when Slipknot happened, everyone was like, this is too heavy to be mainstream. They are the biggest metal band of the 21st century, and they did it built on a record like Iowa. And I think sometimes rock doesn't help itself by wanting everyone to sound like uh, Five Finger Shine Down Punch, right? Like, if that's all they want rock radio to be, it shuts out what the people want. People vo yep. are voting right now, talking about Lorna Shore. And in 2001, they voted with Slipknot.
So, but the problem is though, is that, is that Cran, I think Cran has been trying to speak. Cran, do you want to go ahead? Two quick things. I wanted to say that you mentioned Slayer getting bigger after Slipknot, Terry. Carrie King famously mentioned that God Hates Us All was a reaction to hearing Slipknot for the first time. He's like, yeah, maybe we're going in too soft of a direction. Maybe we need to get hard and heavy like Slipknot is right now. And they also got the Nine Inch Nails co-sign. So we know Trevor Reznor is a fan. Wait, Slipknot got the co-sign? Yes. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know He that. mentioned that anything that is that heavy and aggressive gets his thumbs up, his seal of approval. Love that. Love that. Getting kids that. to be angry and disenfranchised with things. Maybe start questioning their surroundings as it were. So just to contradict you a little bit, Kirk, I think what was great about Iowa was it was the opposite of a lot of new metal bands. It was like them purposely trying to not be marketable because I can never imagine like anyone just listening to Skin Ticket with no context and be like, oh, yeah, this is the shit unless they're already a metalhead. Yeah, but nobody does. That wasn't a single. Like even for as heavy as songs like Disaster Pieces and People Equal Shit are, the songs that are on the A side of the record, they're still catchy tunes. Like you could still, you know, you could still remember how the hooks go. They have choruses and stuff. Like I've heard plenty of other metal songs where I'm just like, I don't remember how that fucking goes at all. But this one is ready for my other Iowa hot take. Oh boy. Skin Ticket is my only skip on the record. What the fuck? Hold up. No, can't stand that song. It's lyrically garbage. It's embarrassing. This is, you guys need your time. I can't decide oh. what's worse, that or Kirk deciding that the the idea of, of releasing commercial singles is to release a song with I want to slit your throat and fuck the wound as its opening line. That wasn't a single. It's disaster piece, not a single. No, two singles. I find my corrected, my friends. Man, now who's a journalist? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you guys want to go, if you guys want to get his ass for saying skin tickets, no good. Yeah, motherfucker, you keep saying insane shit on the show. <laughs> Skin Ticket, Gently, and Iowa are three perfect tracks. I will fucking fight you in real life over this. I will fly to Indiana and beat you. <laughs> oh, I do like Skin Ticket. I had to look up the lyrics for me to remember what it is. Skin Ticket's good. Cran, what the fuck? <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm a bizarre human being. Uh, Terry, your top three on the album. Uh, Paper Legal Shit uh, is the gold standard. I think um, I love, I'm not saying it just as a reaction to what you were just saying. The reason why I brought Skin Ticket up a bunch of times is because I think it's one of the most intense um, deliveries of Corey's uh, career. And I think it fits really with the culture of the time when you think about the Saw movies and like that kind of thing that was going on at that point in time, Resident Evil and all the rest of it. Like they were, they were being cinematic and, Fincher and all of that kind of thing, and uh, as the third, yeah, I'd have to, uh, I'd have uh, disaster pieces because I just love the I love the blasting <laughs> when Joey Jordison just sounds uncaged, like Joey it's is fucking mad isn't it? on that song. It's unreal. <laughs> yeah, it's I hear an argument that that's their best song. I think you could make a case yeah. that it's just their I, best song. It's in yeah, the mix. Get behind. It's that. in my top three. I wouldn't personally call it their best song, but I can get behind that. I can see that argument. Well, it's so it's like with Slipknot, along with every new metal band, to me, there's there's different metrics where it's like if you're talking about if you're ranking the greatest new metal songs of all time, which, hey, I have done that. I would not that call Disaster Piece uh, like one of the greatest new metal songs of all time, but I would call it one of the greatest or the greatest Slipknot songs of all time if you're like you know, grading within the capsule or within the whole genre and it, it becomes different. So for me, that'll always be duality because sometimes the obvious choice is the correct choice. But for this album, for me, I would go Everything Ends, Disaster Piece, and I Am Hated. Everything Ends is another great one. Really oh, good. Such a good song. I, that's when it, I had to leave during Everything Ends when I saw them on that Iowa show. I watched the rest of it on YouTube. Oh, it's such a good song. 
mad. Still not happy that I had to leave that show early because those first three fucking tracks back to back literally changed my life. It not only got me back into Slipknot, it got me back into new metal, which is why I'm here. Yeah. It's easy. I'm sorry you missed Gently. Yeah, <laughs> well, dude. I've seen them do that live and fuck, it is trans. That was the last time they ever played Gently, Skin Ticket, and Iowa Live, that show, and I missed all three. Granted, I didn't know what those songs were, but still, that would have been a hell of an introduction to them. Well, I guess I gotta give the devil their due. Okay. The enemy, yes, I know, and still fuck them for Oasis, but the enemy actually did call Is This It by The Strokes, their album of the year for 2001. So there you go, fuckos, all right? However, however, however... They did rank. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna, Terry. You're gonna love this. They did put Slipknot at uh at six. Great showing. One above Love Is Here by Star Sailor. Which the fuck is that? No, well, that, no, he oh, knows. All time classic. Yeah. We all know that one, right? Bollocks. Uh, I'm always terrible. talking about Star Sailor. But, like, I had a real, I had a real bee in my bonnet about indie rock at this point in time. When I was on the Metal Hammer podcast back then, uh, in 2008, I proposed that the metalheads in, try to invade them, like like a scene out of Braveheart. Um, <laughs> Star yeah. Sailor, for, for because of because of bands like Star Sailor, essentially. Star Sailor is for people that find Travis a little loud. <laughs> Indie rock is the only place where you can call your band the twang and get away with it. Hey, they're no snow patrol. But I the <laughs> point that I had made in my write-up was that they had put Slipknot at six, and they on the same list they put Radiohead at 25, which is like yeah. not normally something that they would say in the future, but they were fucking right about it this time. So they should go what back album and is that? that. What? Amnesia. What album is that? No one. Oh, okay. Amnesiac, yeah. Other good albums on here: "In Search of" by Nerd, "Best Wait, Team" by Bjork, "Rudy" by Basement right, Jacks. Yeah. Let's go! America's always been wrong about them. They're the greatest. <laughs> that's my personal bone to pick. Like that's my non-new metal thing. Is that I'm always talking about them. Shout then, out, um, good luck. And then uh, "Asleep in the Back" by Elbow. Elbow actually toured with Slipknot around this time. We wouldn't have seen them. That would have been in the UK, but it's true. So okay, fine. There you go, Enemy. Congrats. But yeah. So I guess we should wrap this up, though, by just mentioning Disaster Pieces, which would have been the God, I guess it's like kind of their mountaintop moment. Did they get bigger on volume three? It's it's always like debatable if they got bigger yeah. on volume three, because yeah, to me, it I feels like so. they did. But that's sort of like the other side of it where they're like they're, they're kind of like a different band when yeah. you hit volume three. Wouldn't you say ever so slightly bigger, like they got as big, but in a different way? In a Their different way. Singles are from the following two albums after this, Volume Three and All Hope Is Gone. Like that's their those are their best selling records right there. Yeah, no, they, no, no, they no, 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 no. Uh, volume Three peaked at five, so they're they li- okay. Their live peak in the UK was definitely was headlining download in 2009. But this is like internationally. What? Really? Yeah, the, yeah, mate, it was the first time that they headlined download. It's like you if you ask Corey the best Slipknot show of all time, he will tell you that show. Like it's it's written. Well, dial them up. Let's ask. I'm going yeah, to check that out. I'm going to have to check that one out. <laughs> Corey, yeah, if you're listening. Yeah, it was recorded. It was recorded as like they put it out as a DVD, the full nine yards. So because it's Monsters of Rock and they're the age of like seeing on the back of the vinyl like the iron maiden and the picture of all the rest of it and they'd been kept off of headlining download they were second headliners on volume three behind system of down 
the day that they headlined, it was the landmark moment for them. Okay, I'll just pull that one up. We should watch it. Um, but you know what? You fuckers are the ones that put bother in the top 30 and ruin Slipknot forever. So now I stand, uh, I stand by bother. <laughs> Awful song. Oh my god, I hate that song. And it is a relevant song because that was 2002. Garbage. Well, well, you don't have to bother, Kirk. Terrible song. <laughs> oh my pretty god. good live. I've seen Stone Sour live. Like they do, they do okay when they're in front of a live audience. Just the worst wank. You couldn't put those lyrics in the mouths of anyone else on the charts at that time, and people would still be like, "Yo, this is pretty good." You couldn't give that to Will yeah. Young. You can give it like, Aaron Lewis. You know what? Will Young could have sung that better. Actually, <laughs> I would have rather have heard him do it than hear fucking Corey do this one. I didn't think in the year the 2022 that I would be having a conversation about Will Young. What is going on? <laughs> you know what? Who else would have done better? Daniel Bedingfield would have done better. And I think Daniel Bedingfield. Get out. Would have been get at the out. same time. It, it, not a fan. Not a fan. No, we, we are never going to get through this. <laughs> we are going to get through. I'm dragging you through this. Oh, dude. Did you see? Did you fucking see that? Um, What is that? Fuck's name. Former take that. Robbie Williams. Did you see the Robbie Williams Roland cover that I posted? Oh, God, no. No, you didn't see uh, that. You have oh to my see God. that. It's Robbie uh, Williams covering Roland. And do I have to? It, do I have to? It's going, Christmas. Starfish, motherfuckers. It's uh, great. Oh, my God. I'm going to flush myself down the toilet at the thought of it. How did you miss that? Millennium yeah, was a fun song. UK. Yeah, I know. And Cran's like, who is Robbie Williams? What are you guys talking about? Millennium's a fun song. That's Robbie Williams. Oh, you are it sticking is? up for Robbie Williams. He, he did the cribs where he rented the castle and he had all the actors in there doing weird <laughs> shit when they walked through the rooms. He was on American Cribs. Yes. They did try to make Robbie Williams happen in the States. What a fucking yeah, um, the, the Rock he, DJ he, video. He, you remember that? No, I've never, the he, ring? I have never heard a Robbie Williams song that I liked. I like a yeah. couple take that songs and I think all of Robbie Williams' stuff is rubbish. <laughs> Wait, we, we said Robbie Williams Williams out to you lot and you were like no we've got Eminem and Usher thanks bye <laughs> we are we are busy we we're we're, we're kind of done with the ballads thank you thank you not needed no we're good we're good we're good <laughs> can't believe you remember any of those videos anyway um yeah so rubbish um yeah so then disaster pieces would have been kind of the capstone to this era and I think that they kind of like went their separate ways between Iowa in volume three, Corey did his side project, and uh, I don't know what the rest of them did actually. Murder dolls, Joey Jordison. Oh, yeah, and Wednesday and 13. Fucking Kerrang loved them too. Yeah, I, I worked for Metal Hammer at the time, and we were all over it. There's that, um, I love that first Murder Dolls record, it's fucking unbelievable. Um, once what was their gimmick cover what was yeah, their i will i did white wedding. abstain from commenting on that then terry i'll let you have that one uh, i love i i love beyond the valley of the murder dolls that guitar tone fucking unbelievable um but it was a weird 666 and uh, i love to say fuck are two of the worst songs i've ever heard in my entire life i'm so sorry terry i great, really am great you're not a fan of grave robbing usa no <laughs> You know what else uh, you guys have to I can see how it'd be campy fun. I'll give You're you You're not a Misfits guy, are you, Korean? I can't stand the Misfits. That's why. All right. <laughs> no, I figured it go. out. Yeah, they, yeah, the defense rests. <laughs> uh, the, the worst show I've ever seen in my entire life was Danzig in 2014. He was well, it's Danzig in 2014, to be fair. Um, when he's off, he's really off. Yeah, he's... <laughs> oof. 
The English also, the it, two things that I think are very weird uh, uh, hiccups in the English pop legacy. You fuckers loved Stained. Oh, mate. Yeah, like, yeah but I, hold on. Hold, I resent that, right? Let me, let, so, yes, we did, right? But last year I was working for Danny Wimmer Presents on their festivals and at Welcome to Rockville, I watched 50,000 Americans watch Stained on a Saturday night. You wouldn't get that happening in the year 2022 back home. It was a moment in time. They're all listening they, to Megan the Stallion. Yes. <laughs> with taste for, for clear so. clarity. Who I Absolutely. Saw for yeah. Deftones, by the way. <laughs> they did. They did play with Deftones. No, um, not, not Stained. Megan no, the no, I know. I know. <laughs> but that is a fucking funny one is that is that Break the Cycle was a transatlantic number one. And Man, you guys man. never took to that post grunge bullshit. And uh, but it was because Kerrang, it was because Kerrang TV couldn't stop playing outside. Yeah. And the box as well that I was talking about earlier. It was out, outside and it's been a while with just heavy rotation for that entire year. And the outside video was the one with Durst as well. The live video where he's like, I'm feeling those ladders. When I used <laughs> yes! to, when I used to post those his songs before he became a right and proper cunt. Uh, when I used to post his songs, I would post the outside one and, and a lot of your types would come around and be like, if I never have to fucking hear this song again, it would be too soon because yeah. you guys had it bad. And then uh, that went big time straight to the penthouse, which yeah. is a uh, very remarkable in a very brief moment. Um, I have an issue of a Kerrang around here or something where you guys are writing about like how uh, Aaron Lewis has a real brooding sexiness to him. And I'll never let you guys live that down. Uh, no, he, he, no I, Terry I really didn't like, write it. Come on. No. Yeah. Terry's, like, Terry's like, what? Yeah. Why you am I like, why am you I? Can't, you're the you avatar. Can't, you're yeah, the you ambassador can't blame the me. Yeah, you can't blame me for British things. I'm not taking the can for James Corden. You lot employ him. <laughs> Whoa, oh, okay. 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 <laughs> fair. Okay. One or nothing. You got us, Terry. <laughs> Well, no, it um, was it was a mad moment though. Number one album when they 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 uh, it went in at number one and they played the right the main stage at Reading Festival on the same day. What a bizarre again, new metal was so bizarrely massive in the UK, so mental. And it never and it I don't think it ever. Did you guys ever? Okay, so I'm always saying this about American press at least is that, and I guess yeah, the UK would have played a hand in this was that when new metal fell off, it was also like buried. Like it was, it became like a cross to bear. Like any band that was new metal had to go on record being yeah. like, we were never new metal. We yeah. don't like new metal. But that, that's where you get the Corey Taylor quote. What genre is Slipknot? Metal fucking metal. Because he <laughs> already knows. Like he, it doesn't even have to be said that he doesn't want to have to say like, oh, yeah, I, 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 I didn't want to say it in association with an, a new metal show. But Kerrang! did a cover that was literally like the death of new metal. Like this is when new metal ends, and the the car that they had driving it was Iowa. Iowa was the point that they were making, which is the is Iowa a new metal record debate. But they but that was the thing that they were going with was Slipknot are killing like new metal, like it's yeah. over. Mean, meanwhile, back on planet Earth, everyone in the UK was like, "No, we're good. We're gonna we're gonna buy all these Papa Roach albums." Bye. Crazy town, crazy town at number three in the charts. Is it over? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, like, because that's part of like the cycle, like that's how it goes. Because I have like so I have a couple of issues of Kerrang contemporaneously around that time. And of course, it's the one with um 
with a one minute silence on the cover, because where else am I going to read about that? And in those issues are a lot of articles slagging off the Britpop bands because you yeah. know it was like, fuck Britpop. Britpop is over. We're sick of this. Fuck these bands. So it's like it, it is inevitable that new metal would have to go through that same ringer, especially because like you guys put up on the charts, like way up on the charts was uh, you guys had fucking an, an, tons of airplay for Alien Ant Farm, Papa yeah. Roach and Crazy Town, like all around the same time. And I yeah. could imagine, and this is coming as someone that really likes uh, Papa Roach, but I could imagine that on the radio enough being like, oh, God, you know, please let it end. But even the post-new metal stuff still felt new metal adjacent, right? Like when the, the bodies hit the floor, when that was happening, and when my little halo, like it still oh. felt like, like if they do Sick New World next year and both those bands are playing it, like it still makes sense. Do you, do you know what I mean? Wait a minute. Uh, yeah. I have to check with that first one. Did Drowning Pool happen in the UK? I mean, that song happened everywhere. I, yeah, I guess I can believe you on that one. But I'll tell you what, soil did not happen in the US. No. No. Only you guys, that's a you thing. They they I don't know how yeah. exactly that happened, but the soil did not only happen. the debut record. The debut record did some things, but after that, like everyone kind of lost interest. I've got the cover here. It's January 18th, 2003. New metal is the party over. And it's got Corey Taylor. On the yeah. cover, I have yeah. to. I have to get this. I have to buy this. Yeah, and it's so like imagine thinking that you can tell the audience like this is over now. It's done. Meanwhile, like you know, new metal still was doing big things for a couple of years. That was the press back then. You'd be like, folks, we changed our mind, and they yeah. felt like you just had to listen to them. Yeah, that completely. because because you did. There wasn't like an internet. You couldn't like. You know, there wasn't a social oh God, media. Yeah, what were you going to do? These are the halcyon them? days of MySpace. What were the you going to do? Right, no, 2003, 2003. Yeah. I was in a band in 2003. That's how nothing, we promoted. Nothing like it is now. This yeah. was this Granted. was toward the waning days. And again, I'm talking like I was there. Like I'm just <laughs> casually being like, <laughs> what do you know? Well, the press, the press were trying to stop a demon happen. It was trying to stop a demon happening. Meanwhile, giving it to you is happening with people. Like it was, it's like new metal ran out of juice when the party was over, right? When like I like crawling in the dark as much as the next person, right? But when Huberstank turned up, was a little bit of Fonzie jumping the shark. Right? Yeah, because like when, when it was over, it was over. But it, a magazine couldn't tell you that it was over. Because Huberstank and Edema, those are like totally like major label creation bands. You know, those weren't like two or they weren't getting in the they definitely weren't doing the Iowa thing where it's like we, you know, Hoobastank weren't eat, sleeping and breathing this music. No, they were like glad handing and going to the gym and shit like they were an island Def Jam creation and especially Edema. I don't know how the fuck Edema ever managed anything. That's the goofiest bunch of guys to ever achieve a gold record, I think, in history. And I, I love think of one reason that. or what? half a reason, if you will. Jonathan Davis's brother. And good for him. Edema have a gold record? It, the first Edema album is gold. Yeah. I know, right? That there was actually a sticker on the CD that said Jonathan Davis's half brother is the singer of this band. <laughs> it yeah. fucked. Are you for real? I'm, that's I'm dead fucking serious. And that's I mean, Power Man Five Thousand did not have to do that. It's fucking pathetic. Edema did. <laughs> but see, that's what I mean. You know, people are getting are are getting sick of it when a, an album like that sells because the major label is just pushing it really hard like not it's, it's not catching we were giving into it 
Yeah, yeah. But like the way you like the way you like it, it's got seventeen point three million plays on Spotify because of seventeen point three. They're welcome. They're welcome. A rising tide lifts all ships. Seventeen point two of those are Kirk. No, they're not. <laughs> I have developed a begrudging respect for that song, but no, it, I definitely don't throw it on. Okay, well, it I guess it's 17.2 million listens to get that begrudging respect. Yeah, so. that's all it had to do. Finally, as soon as it passed 17 mil, I'm like, all right, all right. They got one with this one. Before we wrap this up, and I keep saying that, but I keep thinking of more United Kingdom related new metal questions that I want to ask so bad. I need to know, why didn't orgy happen in the UK? Blue lipstick. Really? I mean, it's a tough sell. You try being from Darlington and wearing blue lipstick. What the fuck? What are you talking about? Okay, so they covered New Order. They sounded a lot like um, like uh, Our Friends Electric like by fucking Gary Newman. They sounded like Gary Newman, and they were that new metal. Such, they were with that Korn. Is, that's, and, what? It's, that is such blasphemy. It is like, not. Yeah, like, like yes, I can, I can hear where you're coming from in terms of Sonic palette being, but the quality is much different. That is like saying chocolate mousse is a bit like dog shit in that they're both brown and liquid, but like, okay, so I'm like, starting the taste see, would be different. Now I'm starting to understand why they didn't happen. Because <laughs> you were starting yeah, to get that, it. Like, there's just some things that when they turn up, England go, no, right? Creed. Creed's pulled up. At, 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 like London Heathrow in their plane and got off <laughs> and were like, greeted, were get, greeted with a hail of back on the plane and hail of home. no, a whole big hail of no. Godsmack stayed away, <laughs> stayed away. Godsmack did a UK tour. Godsmack did a little in the United Kingdom. Like, it didn't take. It didn't take. No, like they they stayed away forever. And then I came out here when I moved out here in 2017 and I saw how big Godsmack were. And I was like, like looking at like fucking VHSs, like they still make you. I always combine <laughs> to me, uh, Disturbed, Godsmack and probably Stained are bands that sold way too many albums. All three of them have some songs that I think are pretty good, but like all Man, especially with Disturbed and Godsmack, all both of their debuts did five million in the states minimum. Upwards of that, that's way too many. That's way too many albums. But Disturbed yeah. can play an hour of bangers. Play Disturbed at a festival, right? Oh, and you're all... a dis- oh, you're a Disturbed guy. I'm a Disturbed apologist. Oh, <laughs> they have never I... done it for me. They've never really? done it for me. Not even Stricken. You're a monster. <laughs> Stricken's pretty cool live. I saw that's them a... open for Sabbath one time. You know, they just have a huge mountain to climb over of that guy's ego. It's just. Yeah, but you're going to have while my guitar gently weeps, but you're not going to have. This is the world we live in. I've seen Disturbed my fights and they were a huge letdown both times. And that's before we get into David Drake. I think they're better live than they are on tape. I can. What you giving to me? I did. Maybe it's just because I thought Prayer was a Christian rock song when I first heard it and was really disappointed to find out they have a pentagram on their album cover. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, look, I can listen to this. So I like he's, he's got a roaring trade. He's like a one man soundboard. I love it. I like the sound. But Disturb, Disturbed happened in the UK. Yeah, uh, they are a true punk rock. <laughs> Story disturbed in that 
the critics hated them. And poor David Draymond had to be called Mad David Draymond for years by the UK press because he turned up with his electric chair and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah. Album. So before they would play live, like he would sit in the electric chair and be electrocuted and be all like, and then he'd get up and be like, you're breathing. Um, <laughs> like, 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 but yeah. I like how Wikipedia will tell me down to the digit how many copies the sickness sold in the UK. One hundred and forty five thousand nine hundred and eighty nine, <laughs> baby. Which That's there like, is three times they're... platinum, I think. That's no, two in nights. the UK. That's two nights at Wembley Stadium. That's Queen at Live Aid twice. <laughs> That's Muse opening for them, fuckheads. <laughs> I'll, have dist- I'll have disturbed over Muse every day of the week and I don't care who hears it. That would that would be the worst show ever. Muse and Disturbed. <laughs> that's, a lot of wa- that's a lot of wacky noises out of the vocalists, isn't it? <laughs> that's a lot of, that's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then disturb come on this day. Yeah. Like, Jesus Lord. <laughs> and finally, and this is the last thing that I can come up with, even though it's not the most in like credible thing ever, is that you did put Evanescence into the number one spot. So congrats, I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was li- <laughs> we had that album on, and my mate who doesn't listen to rock and metal came in while my immortal was playing during that really emotional crescendo and walks in and goes. Turn this fucking vampire shit off. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, okay. (laughs) I was like, all right, Nosferatu. You're like, I gotta review this. What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't see you moaning during the Lost Boys. What was going on in 2003, though? I mean, would that have been like, Put put this Franz Ferdinand album on. Was would that have been about that time or just that there was mainstream ended, man? Right. Like uh, the thing I love about rock music before it got institutionalized is that it was chaos, man. Like hair metal was impacted by grunge, right? Nothing like each other. Grunge, when Kurt dies, is replaced by The Offspring and Green Day. Nothing like each other, right? The pop punkers are replaced by your lot in new metal, but then. No metal is powered by, you know, it's called sports metal out here, right? And like it's got that reputation for being the jocks and all the rest of it. And the reaction to it was emo, right? Like these, that's the way rock music works. And then everyone decided after hybrid theory happened, US rock radio decided that everyone needs to sound like that and disturbed and breaking Benjamin and the rest is history. But at that point in time, it felt like the party was over for new metal and the mainstream wanted, like you say, Franz Ferdinand and the yeah, yeah, yeahs and, and the white stripes and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, our world, it was, you have kind of the golden age of pop punk at that point in time, some 41 blink riding the crest of a wave american idiot comes shortly after that you've got fucking um newfound glory and all those bands and emo you know fallout boy and all the rest of it but that was to me the next scene was emo and then after emo there's just like nothing that's it yeah, that's it. It was the last time. That's why I keep saying to people, we've come off the last decade. The last decade was the first decade that rock music, hard rock music, hasn't had a carbon footprint of mainstream culture. And I don't, and I think that's because, um, 
we don't help ourselves if all if when the mainstream looks at us they don't see all of the wonderful amazing varied rock and metal bands that we've got in today's world all they see is 50 shades of five finger death punch then they just think we're boring and that's why we end up on the pre-show of the grammys and why no one cares anymore well, I'm always prattling on about this one. So my my co-hosts can roll their eyes because they're going to be like, here he goes again. The problem with where rock and metal went after new metal was um, actually, I don't like that. Don't do that. Was um, <laughs> new metal was the last time rock as a mainstream force had an anti nostalgia bent to it, where it was hell bent on creating new things that had never happened before. And the contemporary rock and indie reaction to that was to uh, holster bands like Interpol and the Strokes and Franz Ferdinand. Bands that were like, you know, Gang of Four, The Velvet Underground, Joy Division. Mm. And and they did that really well. But the tank mm. was already like half empty when they showed up. New Metal was always about going for the next thing. And then Emo was the same way where it was like The Cure, The Misfits, uh, bands like that. There were always like those. Whereas New Metal, it was like we were doing things that have never been done before. So to me, I think that because the reaction to New Metal's end was to bury it as, as six feet deep, make everyone that was a part of it apologize and, and self uh, flagellate flagellate. Was that, was, yeah. was I about to say the right thing? You were doing Thank no you. whip on yeah. the back yet. Thank yeah. you Flagellation. for the rest of their careers. To the point where even today, like we've interviewed new metal bands where you've asked them, like, what well, would you consider yourselves new metal? And they've been like, well, you know, uh, we were always kind of, that's just like always, Oh, we were always kind of doing our own thing. So I think that, and, and then the kids today, the kids younger than, most of us, maybe even, I mean, younger than even Z, they just listen to new metal and they're like, this shit is awesome. Like there's no hype. There's no like history to it in their heads. There's no like hype cycle. There's no magazines. It's just like this shit kicks ass. Yeah. And there's loads of bands that are being influenced by it again. Like I mentioned Tala earlier. That's yep. a fucking, that's a fucking new metal band. And, and they're for- really, and they're really fucking good at it as and well. Yep. Make sure you stay on loathe. I need to make sure that they admit yeah, it. Yeah. Incredible bands. Omerda yeah. as well. One. Yes, I met her a fucking great, great. Were show. you at the? We were all at the same show. I bet. Did you, were you just at the see show in LA a couple weeks ago? Which one was that? With Loathe, Unity, TX, and Static Dress. No, I missed it. It was on the Sunday uh, night. How was Static yeah. Dress? Like they're doing massive things in the UK. We were busy. We were out back talking to Ross Robinson. Actually, ah, nice. Dress, yeah. Ross nice. Robinson was there, all gray hair and stuff. And I googled a picture of him, and I was holding it up to Z over here, and I was like, I was like, I think that's Ross. That's him right there. It was him. What do you know? Yeah. Yeah. Loads of new metal tinge stuff happening. Mood Ring as well on Unified. If you like Deftones, there's loads of wicked stuff going on. Oh, yeah. On. I have heard Mood Ring. Do you guys like Mood Ring? I like Mood Ring. I'll have to check them yeah. out again. But in that vein, there's also Flushwater's doing good stuff. Yeah. I was going to say Flushwater's yeah. out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. Love Soul Blind. Yeah. Bleed. I think that's really going to be a wrap right for this episode. I'd like to extremely thank our guest, Terry, who knows more than any of us about everything some it kind of feels like and uh i'd like to thank z for making it out cram for making it out wolf for setting up the meeting um we will definitely be having you back soon enough to talk about a we could do a whole episode <laughs> on like every single uk new metal band we can think of so i want your job in out. starbucks mate <laughs> i i any day here's hoping um but this has been holiday kirk with the new metal agenda just reminding you bug everyone you know about it Please keep supporting us wherever you can. But more importantly, keep bugging people about this genre. Thanks so much. And you guys have.